If we can't talk to each other, we're not gonna make it. Sometimes I feel like I, I, I've been off more than I can chew. Most of the time, I work in a glass jar and lead a very uneventful life. A face full of glass hurts like hell when you're in it. That's weird. That glass looks half full to me. Eating glass. Eating glass and staring into the abyss. Glass? Who gives a shit about glass? Who the fuck is this? It's kind of part of our culture to eat glass. Hey, get some safety goggles next time. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everybody, and welcome to Chewing Glass, the show where we talk to developers building the Solana ecosystem. Today, we have a very special format where we have two guests coming from separate protocols. We have Barrett from Cypher and Edgar from OriginFi. These guys have been crushing it recently. They've been around for quite a long time, and we're very excited to have them here. Hey guys, how's everything going? Hey Chase, stoked to be here. Yeah, super excited to finally make it on the pod. So I've known both of you guys for a while. I think I actually met Edgar at a Solanus sponsored Lollapalooza event two years ago before Margin Fire was even, even a thought in his mind. So it's pretty cool to see how far we've come. I want to start off by asking you guys how you've gotten your start. Like, are you traditionally trained engineers or did you start in a different industry? Um, so just like help us understand how you got to where you are. Yeah, Barrett and I have like a, 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 I think a pretty cool story and a story that's like intertwined. Um, yeah, Barrett, I'll let you, I'll let you kick it off and, uh, you know, tell them how we got started. Yeah, so I mean, like Edgar and I like met each other in college, lived together in college. Um, the story begins then effectively, right? We were like best friends, spent almost like every waking hour together. And it kind of like evolved us into becoming like best friends because at you know, that point there was like nobody else awake. It was just Edgar and I. Um, and so we would, you know, figure we were both in finance at the time, um, you know, being normal college kids uh, and then, you know, going to work after like partying and, you know, being at 3 a.m. and watching like Bloomberg Asia. We were, um, you know, messing around with like quantitative finance at the time, um, building, you know, trading module, trading models. Uh, originally started in Excel because neither of us knew programming. Um, and then we both like picked up um, programming languages just on the side um, for fun because, you know, were interested in it and, you know, had some inkling of an idea of what, you know, quantitative finance was and, you know, what it, what it was going to become, um, at the time, even though it was, it was rather large, it was still like a relatively new concept to us. Um, and then I kind of fell in love with like the math side of things. Uh, so added like a math degree and then Edgar and I really started to like dive into math together. Um, even though Edgar wasn't part of the math department, he's obviously, you know, very quantitatively oriented anyway. Um, and so that was like pretty cool. Uh, you know, ended up doing like research on sea ice movement in Antarctica and its effects on biomass production. Found out that the same model that I was using for that research priced financial derivatives. Um, came back to Edgar and I was like, dude, check this out, dude. Um, and that's, I think, when it like really clicked and like it became like a passion of ours um, on like the, the kind of quantitative finance side of things. And, you know, our programming skills improved, um, all self-taught really like, you know, my math, like I took like computational math, so didn't really learn like any true programming languages, like took like a C++ class. Um, and, um, you know, a lot of it was MATLAB though, which isn't, I don't really consider a real programming language. Um, but I remember building my first like real trading algorithm in MATLAB because that's where I was like doing my research um, and like figured out like back testing and 
And then at this point in time, um, Edgar, I think, was already like out of college working at Goldman Sachs. Um, and he was doing, you know, a number of, uh, you know, different applications than I was. He was kind of on like the the private equity side of things um, and building like a lot of quantitative models for that, you know, interest rates, um, fixed durations. Uh, so that was like pretty exciting to see. But um, then, you know, Edgar mentioned data science to me. I was still in college, so I still had like time to be like, okay, like, hey, what do I want to do? Um, and, you know, I was like, oh, dude, this data science thing is cool. So Edgar and I were both like, you know, preparing to become data scientists at the same time. I remember doing like lead code together and like a, a number of these like case studies, um, which was like really cool uh, and was like, okay, like I think data science is like where I want to be. Like quantitative finance was cool, um, but it was just like a very narrow scope. And I, you know, still enjoyed what I did on like the environmental research with sea ice movement. Uh, and it just seemed like you could tackle a lot more um, different uh, industry spaces at the time with data science as opposed to just being a quantitative finance uh, analyst. Um, and so that was like really interesting to me. And then Edgar ended up getting a job at Uber, um, I believe was his first job as like a data scientist um, doing a bunch of really cool stuff. And I'll let like Edgar opine and uh, obviously give his side of the story. Um, and then I ended up getting a job at a small tech startup uh, in Utah Um we both went to the University of Utah, by the way, and big skiers. So, you know, obviously made a lot of sense. Um, and- I moved to Uber. I moved to Uber. We, we part, we part cities. We moved, we yeah. were living in different cities for like a few years. And, uh, the, the whole like hanging out with each other in the middle of the night turned into like long calls. We just like get on the phone with each other for hours and just go down like Wikipedia rabbit holes and whatever, try to play the time zone game. It was, it was amazing. <laughs> When I was at Uber, uh, I sat across a few teams that were really like research and development for Uber. Uh, Uber had this model. They had like core ride sharing businesses, right? Um, so like ride share, uh, eats, right? Food delivery. Those are businesses that were like working for sure. Uh, and then they had experimental businesses outside of that. And I sat on those experimental businesses. So worked on like a few rental products that Uber had, um, you know, spent some time in South America working on payments products, dealing with like the cash heavy society down there. Uh, and then spent most of my time at Uber actually on uh, the bikes and scooters team. So if you remember those years when bikes and scooters, the shareable, you know, kind of uh, economy kind of exploded in cities, uh, I was on the Uber team that was that was pushing that out. So saw a lot of like really cool distributed system problems, um, saw a lot of organizational chaos, uh, you know, kind of was chatting with Barrett. I was, you know, ob obviously Uber was was not a startup at the time. It was a much bigger company. Uh, Barrett was at a much smaller company. So we had like really cool opportunities to compare our experiences, right? Like, hey, like, you know, how's your job going? Like, what are the messes in your organization? Uh, and I think both of us had infrastructure challenges, uh, from different sides, right? Me from the massive scale that Uber was dealing with from the bureaucracy, bared from the fact that he was at this raw startup, right? That was really trying to push boundaries, uh, with, you know, constrained resources. All of that, I think would really funnel in to help us in the future as we, as we started starting companies. So. It was, it was a critical moment for us. Uh, you know, we were apart in different time zones. We were learning different things. We were 
bouncing a lot of ideas off of each other uh, and it would really compound, uh, you know, in the future. So typically after we sort of get your little introduction story, which is like always amazing to hear for everybody um, on the show, like what was your actual intro into crypto? Like what were you guys just degenerate traders? Did you just hear about it? Like, like right in 2017 during the ICO boom, did you start mining Bitcoin in 2012? Like, like, like how did you guys actually get your first start into crypto? So, so 2012, 2013, we're in college. Barrett, you know, kind of discovers this Bitcoin thing. You know, he's playing poker. Um, I'm like not thinking about it really at all. Uh, then 2017 kind of rolls around and I'm in San Francisco. Uh, I, I hear about Bitcoin again. One of my coworkers is like, hey, you should check it out. Um, I start reading about the technology and I just get obsessed with blockchain technology, with uh, the efficiency that is pitched by, at the time, chains that were pushing. I was always a high performance chain person. That was the Ethereum pitch is like, hey, on top of blockchain, unlike Bitcoin, you can write programs. Um, and I remember I started like writing Solidity. I would go to this, you know, little meetup group. Uh, that had like 12, 15 people that would show up on a Saturday, they'd write Solidity. But very quickly, you couldn't do anything with Ethereum, right? Like that was kind of the, I ran into that problem very, very fast because I said, hey, this is cool. I want to build stuff, you know, on blockchain. I have these like product ideas. And then right away it was, <laughs> never mind, you can't because the infrastructure is just constrained, right? So at the time, people were thinking like, there was XRP conversation, there was AOS conversation, right? And this high level idea of high performance was pitched, but it was, it was not tangible, right? There was just this very general idea of like, hey, existing blockchains are slow. Maybe we can make them faster someday. And that sounds like a good idea. Uh, and then, 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 then we took another hiatus, right? Uh, we decided not to go into the space full time, um, 2021 rolls around and I was, I guess even before that, 2020, 2021, uh, I, I was running a different company. I had started a logistics software company, nothing to do with blockchain. Uh, Barrett had started a company at the same time and he was looking at a move into Web3. Uh, and I'll kick it back to Barrett because he comes to me one day and he goes, hey, Edgar, there's this thing called Solana. We should really look at it. It's been making a lot of noise. It it has the infrastructure arguments that we've been making. And so Barrett actually sells me on Solana. I didn't know, I didn't pay attention to it until he brought it up. And so Barrett, like how did, like for you specifically, like how did Solana get on your radar? Yeah, so it all started during like uh, COVID in quarantine. Edgar and I went to a hacker house for a month in Ojai, California, Love the concept. It was just like a bunch of founders rented a house together and we were building projects, right? Edgar and I were both working on like non-crypto at the time. Um, and I was like starting to, you know, this is like when it was seeded to move into Web3 because uh, the project that I had built was a recommendation engine for private capital markets, um, recommending startups to investors and investors to startups, right? Um, and wanted to take that like a step further in democratizing access to private capital markets. Um, 
talked to the OCC or people at the OCC, interactive brokers, et cetera, found out that if we wanted to build this derivatives exchange for, you know, pre-IPO private capital markets, right, it was going to take years and years and years and hundreds of millions of dollars or millions, tens of millions of dollars to get it funded uh, and actually make it there. And I was like, okay, where can we build this today? And that's like where the progression into Web3 like really began. And then Edgar and I hosted um, our own um, hacker house in Salt Lake City for two months, invited a bunch of founders together. And there an individual who was like, pretty familiar with crypto, like traded a lot. Um, he introduced me to an ETH maxi. Um, and this ETH maxi was like, Hey, you know, you should check out these other things as well. Introed me to Ben Sparango actually. Uh, and this was January of 2021. And I had a, my first conversation, uh, with Ben about Solana. And I was like, Oh dude, this makes, this makes a lot of sense to build, um, like a derivatives platform, right? Um, they had Serum at the time, which was an order book. I'm a big order book guy. Uh, I think that, you know, that's the way like exchanges uh, on-chain will be built um, and continue to be built. Um, and Solana was the only place that you could build an order book. And one was already built um, at the time. Um, and so you could compose on top of it and use its infrastructure to, you know, build your own project, right? Um, and that was like, an incredible like inflection point for making the jump into being full-time in crypto and Web3. And there was probably like 20, 25 of us at this house that we had like rented. I mean, people were sleeping on the floors, on couches. It was like a six-bedroom house. This was um, this was Mountain V0. So like before yeah. Mountain became a thing, this it was called Mountain Compound. And the the hacker house idea, we just took it to the winter. Like we went down to Ojai. There were people going down to like Mexico, Texas. Everyone's like, oh, we want to like escape the winter for the warmth. And Barrett and I are like, wow, we're really excited to ski. Like, I don't want to escape the winter at all. Right. And then we're sitting there one day and we go, man, we're probably not the only ones who have that idea. Right. Um, but yeah, at the time, man, it was crazy. We bootstrapped it, people sleeping on the floor. I'll kick it back to you, Barrett. But it was, it was an absolute mess. We did the IKEA thing crazy. Yeah, dude. <laughs> uh, we'll probably talk about some of that like later in the podcast, I bet. Um, and uh, yeah, and so found out about Solana and then immediately became a shill. I thought it was like the best thing that had ever happened to blockchain. I was like, okay, like, hey, like I'm building here. And that's like when I got into Solana and, you know, it was like, Edgar, I think that this is, this is a place to build. Um, that's where I'm going to build. Take a look at it. You know, I know you're interested. Um and talked to like a number of other people. Actually, another individual at that house, Nick, uh, who founded Clockwork, was at that hacker house. And that's his original introduction to Solana as well. Um, and so I like went down the path, started like playing around, doing trading, um, participating in IDOs and, and beginning to like build and um, ended up, you know, raising some money out of the hacker house, which was like pretty cool. Um, and then that's kind of like where the journey, you know, poured gasoline on the fire. And we started like building heavily uh, in the Solana ecosystem. Yeah, I'll just keep the timeline going because the chronology is the chronology is incredible. So Barrett, you know, finds out about Solana, raises some money, um, starts building on it, right? I am trying to exit the company that I'm working on at the time. 
And I remember I like wanted to focus more on crypto, but I just really didn't have the time, right? Because I was doing something else. Uh, Barrett, meanwhile, is, is pushing all of spring 2021, right? He's getting really deep. He's getting involved. Uh, he's growing on Twitter, right? Uh, Barrett gets me in to a, an invite-only Solana breakfast down at Bitcoin Miami uh, in May of that year, right? May or April of that year, whenever Bitcoin Miami was. So I think that's uh, pretty much right shortly before you and I first met. Yeah, it was it was it was a, a couple months before Chase and I would meet, right, uh, at Lollapalooza, um, and it was right around when the world was starting to open up, right. So we had like gone through this pandemic thing, and uh, you know the world was starting to open up. There were real life events. Baird gets me into this breakfast, and I just remember going there, knowing like feeling like I knew nothing about Solana completely undereducated, you know, relative to the people around me and meeting, you know, Federa, Sparango, a, a bunch of other people there. Uh, and just, just thinking I had like one thought coming out of that breakfast. And that thought was these people are sharp. Like these people are smart. They have interesting ideas. I want to be around these people. They're serious people. Uh, and from there I was like, all right, like, now I'm paying attention. Now I'm really paying attention to this ecosystem. Uh, you know, like I mentioned, the world had opened up. There were Solana events popping up all over, uh, all over the country, all over the world, right? And Baird and I decided to do this crazy thing. We were like, look, we really want to get ingrained into the community. Uh, the best way to do that is through these real life events. So we are going to hit every single real life event that we can possibly get to no matter where they are, no matter how close together they are. And we start getting on a plane like multiple times a week, uh, showing up in different cities like New York, San Francisco, Miami, Chicago, doesn't matter, we're there. Um, and it was incredible. Like we were just getting added to all of these different group chats that you know were at first isolated to different cities, eventually formed like a much bigger global community online. Uh, and really just meeting a lot of like people with similar, like fundamental ideals about how to build products, right? Folks that were excited about performing infrastructure that were coming from distributed systems backgrounds, uh, that thought about the world like we did. Um, and yeah, I mean, from there, like, you know, I think, I think the community getting ingrained in the community was really, uh, you know, kind of the important piece. Uh, cause that solidified that like, we were going to be doing something there. I was going to be doing something there for me. Right. Uh, and then after that, the only question was like, what am I going to be doing? So you're getting involved in the ecosystem. I assume this is the time when your project vision started to become more clear. Um, it's just interesting that, uh, being best friends and your entire history, um, that you decided not to, um, to work together. You, um, you ended up doing your own things, which is super cool. Yeah. Um, so at the time, right. And I think like one of the biggest reasons we never became like partners on like a project, um, on Solana, like on the like, engineering side of things is the timelines. Like Edgar was like at a company, exiting a company. And I was like, all right, well, like I got some money, like we're building. Um, and so like that timeline never really matched up. Um, but that's why the hacker house came about and that's why we're partners there. And, you know, so we started Cypher originally started as this protocol for uh, enabling access to private capital markets through derivatives, right? Um, 
And was that for, you know, we worked on the smart contracts and, and launching it and um, for about like eight months to a year, I think, was was that vision. Um, and the markets just like weren't uh, that liquid. It was hard to find market makers for pre-IPO derivatives, considering that we were on an order book um, and you needed, you know, trading partners there. Um, and it's hard to price, right? And so the risk appetite for a market maker, um, not to mention they were also like pre-IPO derivative assets, um, led to it being like challenging to get like liquidity. So Cypher ended up, you know, moving into what it is today, which is this kind of all-encompassing trading platform, you know, margin system for trading spot, perps, data futures, options are coming. Because um, we saw a liquidity fragmentation issue uh, in DeFi. And obviously, you know, in crypto then and still today, like most volume happens on centralized exchanges. Um, and I'm a big believer that um, that's the case, one, because of like friction points, but two, because individuals and trading shops have access to all of the financial products that they would need in one location, right? You know, your spot, perps, futures, options, et cetera, uh, borrow lending, right? And so, you know, being a believer in decentralization and self-custody, um, we're like, hey, this should be on chain, right? And so Cypher has pivoted uh, and migrated into, you know, being this um, decentralized exchange that mimics a centralized exchange with its offerings. Um, and, you know, the whole time, like, Edgar and I would, like, ideate on on things as he was, like, moving in. Um, we got an office together in the shop where, you know, Mountain Dow originally started. Um, and, you know, every day, all day, all night, we're in there like, hey, what can we build? How do we make this better? Um, and I think that that's just like having somebody like that to continuously bounce ideas off was invaluable for the evolution and progress of, you know, Cypher, um, as well as, you know, his, his own startup. And I'll, and I'll let him, you know, talk about what he ended up building. The story of deciding whether we were going to work together and how I think is, is definitely really interesting. Um, you know, one of the things that we got to talking about when we were in that office was like, look, there are so many things that need being built here. Right. Um, what's the, what's the fastest way to like cover ground. Right. One of the reasons we decided not to work together was, uh, directly. Right. Um, was that if we weren't working together directly, we could build two teams at once. Right. Um, and we had that opportunity, uh, and you know, that's become invaluable. Like we, we sit on separate projects, but it's a really tight ecosystem. The products are very closely intertwined, right? If you're following anything on social at any point, you're hearing about margin and cipher together with, um, you know, I mean, similar products, right? Drift comes to mind. Uh, Jito comes to mind, right? There's, there's, there's the, the composability narrative that, you know, was, was dominant for so long. And I think continues to be important, uh, has a lot of, of valuable, uh, you know, backing to it. So, you know, we're thinking about how to cover ground, how to tackle these problems. We're, we're in this office, right? Day and night. Uh, we decide to build two different teams out of it. Uh, and then, you know, kept everybody close through this Mountain Dow experience, which I think has been on a personal level, amazing for me because Barrett and I, you know, we've been best friends for a really long time. Uh, and we've been trying to figure out this whole, like, okay, we're friends. Like, do we work together? How do we work together? How can we like actually make that happen? 
right? There were, there were, there were times, I mean, you know, long before we were funded founders, right? Long before we had capital to deploy, we were like sitting, you know, across some shabby table in some apartment that we had gotten together and like trying to figure out what the fuck to do. So, um, you know, it's, it's cool to, it's cool to see, it's cool to see us come this far. I think, you know, what we think about now is really like our position in this ecosystem, uh, how to continue being participants, how to do our part, right? Uh, the bear market has brought new challenges compared to the bull market. Um, you know, we've had to evolve with the ecosystem. And I think the ecosystem has done quite a few backflips on its own. Uh, and so it's exciting to, you know, get to continue to be here, continue to drive the conversation and, uh, you know, be a part of this as, as we look to uh, get back on the upswing the next few years. So we've been talking about a lot of great stuff, um, but I think at this point, like, let's talk about the origin story of Mountain Dow. What is it? How did it evolve? And where is it going? You guys have been building some really great stuff coming out of this. So I think everybody is going to be excited to hear the story. I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you kick it off, Barrett. The one thing I want to say, Chase, is we are definitely not producing those projects. It's the people that are coming that are producing them. And they're being produced way faster than Barrett and I could ever sit down and produce them. So major shout out, first of all, to the people that are coming and hustling at Mountain Dow. Uh, but yeah, Barrett, I'll let you I'll let you kick it off. Origin story, how we think about it, uh, what's before got. Yeah, I mean, like the origin story we alluded to a little bit earlier in the podcast, which was kind of this, you know, get a bunch of founders together and build, right? Um, and it started when Edgar and I participated in our first like, Hacker House, Founder House in Ojai in 2020. Um, and then we we're like, hey, we should host one in the winter. We're both big, you know, uh, winter sports athletes. Um, and everybody was trying to go somewhere warm. And we we're like, we're trying to ski, you know? Uh, and so we hosted like a two month long one um, in Salt Lake City. Uh, we rented a house from the founder of Nitro Circus, uh, which was like a big action sports show back in the day. Um, so that was like super cool. Uh, and we went to Ikea, rented furniture, because we had to like retrofit this house effectively to be we like- into a like a regular Airbnb. Space. Like this is not a co-working space. This, this action sports legend- you know, for us, for me and Barrett, action sports athletes our whole lives, this guy's an absolute legend. He's talking to us about like where the toilet paper is, where the towels are, right? We walk in like it's a house. Yeah, it's got no co-working space. So we go to Ikea. Yeah, so we go to Ikea and and buy furniture, right? Because we knew that they had a 180-day return policy, no questions asked. So we're like, two months is less than 188 180 days. So uh, we bought a bunch of furniture, retrofitted this house, um, had some like funny like ha things happen in the house, you know, like we'd flip power breakers and we'd have to like call Greg and be like, hey, Greg, you know. Power breakers um, start dying every day. Like every day Greg's coming every over. Day. He walks in the biggest table that you can get in Ikea for like, I remember it was like $600. Because keep in mind, we had no sponsorship money. Barrett and I had no money. So we were like, we got to make sure we can return this table. If we're going to put out $600 for two months, like I am sleeping on the couch. I'm eating ramen. Like we got to make this work. Greg starts coming in. He's like, what are you guys doing here? Because we didn't tell him like at all. There's there's monitors set up. There's fucking people. He At one point he looked us seriously in the eye and he goes, is this a black ops site? Like, just, just tell me. Like, I just need to know. <laughs> Yeah, dude, that that was probably one of the most iconic conversations we had <laughs> at that at that That's house. Incredible, oh man! And then at that at that same house, right, is when you know 
I discovered Solana and became like one of the biggest shills probably in the ecosystem. Um, and it was all like successful. Like I ended up raising money. Some other startups ended up raising money out of the house. Um, fast forward one year or I guess like 10 months, right? It's December of 2021. Uh, and Edgar and I go, dude, we should run it back. Right. And let's do something specific for Solana. Um, and so then we start to like brainstorm and we're like, hey, how do we how do we do it again? Like we should probably not do it in an Airbnb. We want to make this big. Um, and at the time, you know, Edgar and I had an office um, in the co-working space that I'm in currently uh, and talked to them. We're like, hey, how do you feel about if we rented, you know, a bunch of offices in open area and brought a bunch of people together? And they're like, yeah, sounds great. Cause Edgar and I were like the first office on the fourth floor um, of the space. It was like brand new, empty, incredibly beautiful and modern. Um, and we're like, okay, so we have a location. Now what do we do? This is now way more expensive immediately than like the hacker house that we put on. And we're like, we want to make it free for people to come. And so you know, because like we, I think a lot of it was that we, you know, Edgar and I spent the time to go to a lot of these IRL in-person events uh, and travel and get to know people and become ingrained. We just started hitting up teams um, to see if they wanted to sponsor something like this, right? Uh, and, you know, ended up raising a good amount of money to put this event on. And all, and this like all came together in like probably like a month and a half, I think, uh, on, on, the, on the V1 of Mountain Dow. Um, and just started pumping it on Twitter. Um, and, you know, a bunch of people showed up. It was, you know, good market conditions at the time. People were excited. People were coming into Solana. Um, and, you know, four weeks, I think it was, a, it was also a very different format from, you know, hacker houses that were being hosted by Solana. Um, we wanted to do like an extended version um, to really ensure like good collaboration and team formation um, at the event. And, you know, uh, wanted to make sure it was like a, you know, incredibly beneficial for co-working. So that's why we put it in a co-working space because if people are going to be here for a month, you can't party every day uh, and also get work done. Um, and so that's kind of like how it started and it blew up, right? Like the first week was a little slow. Um, I think probably like 20-ish people were probably there on the first week of V1. Um, and then people were like, oh, I'm going to come for like a couple of days. I'm going to come for a week, right? Some people were like, hey, I'm going to be here for the whole month. This sounds awesome. Um, and then it really like caught fire in the end of the first week going into yeah, the yeah. second week and tons of people started showing you start up. Seeing right? negative we were doing churn. people who were like, oh, I'll be here for a couple of days, end up staying three weeks. We're like running out of space, right? Um, it was crazy. I mean, ecosystem teams from all over were coming in. And then I think, I think what, you know, what was exciting for us is we started hearing this 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 perspective that Mountain Dow was different than what had existed before. I think that's what makes Mountain Dow special. It's what's kept it going, right? Um, yeah, I'll I'll kick it back to Barry. I'm just <laughs> I'm just excited interjecting. No, dude, take take the rock and run, Edgar. Mountain Dow thrived, and I think will continue to thrive uh, on this very basic uh, concept of like builder energy, right? Like. We wanted to be around cool people building cool stuff that we were interested in. And we just took that idea and asked everybody else if they felt the same. And everyone else was like, yeah, that sounds sick. And then we said, okay, like, we'll just 
try to get everybody together. We'll just try to be the ones who handle the logistics, right? Um, but what makes Mountain Dow like special, right? When people, when, when I talk to people and they, you know, they tell me about their experiences, you know, with Mountain Dow and what really made it matter for them. One of the things that is like most special to me is there's a lot of experiences that people have that they remember that me and Barrett were not a part of, right? It's not the events. It's not the talks. It's, you know, all that stuff is good and it's helpful. It's a good foundation. But what's really incredible are those like 4 a.m. nights where, you know, you're caught up talking to someone who, you know, is your new co-founder, right? That you met at Mountain Dow. You came in, you didn't know anybody, you were looking for somebody to work with, and you just spark magic with this person, right? And all of a sudden, you guys are hacking on something. 48, 72 hours later, you've got a product, right? Which is insane timelines. I mean, I remember I would wake up walk through Mountain Dow with Barrett in the morning and talk to people who were like, hey, Edgar, I'm like almost done with that thing that like you saw me working on like yesterday, right? And I was just like, what is happening? That's how Mountain Dow, uh, that's how Mountain Pay happened, right? Mountain Pay got built in 48 hours, right? And then I wake up and TJ's viral on Twitter. Like it was, it was absolutely unbelievable. Um, and so, you know, I think, I think what I think about when I think about how to like keep delivering that magical Mountain Dow experience. Um, you know, we want to, we want to set up the foundation for people to come in and build relationships, but, but that experience, that's gotta be very raw. It's gotta be very native, right. To just like the fundamental energy to build. Um, so yeah, I mean, with V4, Barrett and I excited to do exactly the same thing, right? We don't want to bloat it. We don't want to, you know, fill it with a ton of bullshit. Um, we want to keep it raw. We want to keep it focused on the fundamentals. We want it to be an incredible place to build, meet new people to build with you. So we've reached the point in the show where we like to ask a few questions. And these questions are specifically about Solana. So here we go. What sucks for you guys about building on Solana? Oof, <laughs> great question. Um, I mean, I think that, you know, like any new technology, there's always going to be problems, right? I think when, you know, we originally started, the problems are a lot different than today, um, right? Like we, we, you know, when Cypher, you know, originally started, it was, there wasn't even Anchor, right? So you were writing like raw rust. I think, you know, Armani has done an incredible job. Uh, and now there's like a ton of new frameworks that are out uh, as well. Um, and so I think on the developer tooling side, we're still, you know, farther behind, uh, other ecosystems in that front, but definitely see people out there building new frameworks, new ways to do testing, uh, automated audits, et cetera. I think that these are some great tools, um, that have been built. I think that, you know, would definitely like to see some more frameworks, more languages, um, more clients, right? It's really awesome to see Jump uh, out here building Firedancer. I think client diversity is incredibly important uh, for liability. I think the number one um, issue, uh, and I'm not ready to tell you that it's not an issue yet, is definitely that like reliability standpoint, especially uh, in DeFi, it seems to be fixed um, for the time being, um, which is, you know, awesome to see. Um, but I think the reliability was definitely like the number one concern uh, and why DeFi took like such a big hit over the last, you know, 
year and a half. I know that there are other factors that, 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 that happened because of that, but that was definitely like the leading cause, in my opinion, uh, on, on a lot of that, that struggle that we had, uh, in, in DeFi and Solana. Um, now I think, you know, a lot of it is still like developer tooling. Like, I don't think we, uh, in the Solana ecosystem have something like Foundry, uh, that like the EVM ecosystem has, uh, and something like that, I think is like super important, um, for people to, to like have access to, right? Um, help just build smart contracts faster, help build safer contracts faster. Um, and so I think that, you know, some of that is developer tooling we lack, um, currently, um, but definitely no teams that are working on a lot of really awesome frameworks uh, and other, you know, applications and, and, and implementations to ease that um, that pain point right now. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's a funny question because I've gotten so used to chewing glass, right? After years of being, I think really an entrepreneur is what it comes down to, right? Um, as you go earlier stage, uh, in anything you do, um, the entire experience becomes a lot less structured. It becomes a lot more raw, right? And anything that you intend to do just has more unexpected obstacles. I think from an infrastructure perspective or from a developer experience perspective, you know, I agree with everything Barrett said, right? Um, the developer experience on Solana is a lot less raw than when we got started. I, I personally don't even feel like it's raw anymore, but in the context of developer experiences on the spectrum, it's still relatively early, right? Um, I do think it's gotten a lot better. I think that's been incredibly important. I actually think what, what I'm really interested to see evolve over the next like year to two years is the non-technical side of the builder ecosystem. I do think that obviously engineering is like a core part to... Uh, you know, building out these these ecosystems, building out these projects. Uh, but there's also been so much discussion on the engineering front that I think that wheel is moving now, right? Um, there are still infrastructure issues, stability and reliability, you know, have been on a much, much better trend uh, the last six months or so. But, you know, long memories, we can we can assume there will be room to improve there, right? But the important part there is that the flywheel is moving. Uh, now, I think, is a really fascinating time for uh, marketing, content uh, types of people to really lean into the space and start sharing more of the foundation that I think has been progressed in relative quiet over the last six months. Um, so, you know, I think, I think when, I, when I think about, like, what sucks, right, uh, <laughs> I just think I don't have enough hands. That's what sucks that I wish I had, like, I needed less sleep. I wish I had more hands. I wish I could just like clone people. Right. Um, but that makes me optimistic because, uh, you know, especially with like Mountain Dow V4 kicking up, right. Uh, we're always meeting new people. They're always coming into the ecosystem. If you're somebody who's new and, you know, you want to put your hands to work, I think it's an absolutely incredible, incredible time to to find something, right? It's not going to be handed to you on a platter, you know, like you mentioned, Chase, right? Uh, no company in Web3, let alone Solana, is, you know, the lofty, easy experience of working at a place like Meta, right? Uh, but you will not get to push yourself at a place like Meta um, or, or Uber or Snapchat or any of the places that Barrett and I used to work, right? Like you could in this space. So... I think for the right people, like that's a really, really exciting trade-off. Um, I don't know. Keeps me optimistic. It keeps me going.
All right. We started with what sucks first. Now let's get into a little bit um, of the more positive side. Like what is great about building on Solana and in the Solana ecosystem? We get a lot of different answers around this. So I'm really interested to hear your guys' take. I think a lot of people know about why you know we have built on Solana. Um, it's fast, it's cheap. You can build things, uh, applications that you can't build on other chains, um, uh, at least on the L1. Um, and even on L2s, in my opinion, um, it has the path to scalability, right? Um, we're getting a, you know, a new client. I think these are all great things. Um, right now, you know, it seems to be that, in my opinion, at least, um, we're starting to gain like narrative momentum, right? Uh, and maybe that's just because of Solana CT and not like all of CT, but I think no PR is bad PR, right? Um, and we have been seeing, um, you know, a lot Solana like come up on Twitter for good or for bad way more in the last like two months um, than we have in the last like 12 months prior. Right. Um, and I think that that's something that's like really exciting and really good for Solana because people will then start to like look into it more, start to look into the applications that are built on Solana more. Um, we're watching, you know. Uh, a lot of the DeFi teams launch incentive programs, whether that's LIPs, points, airdrops, et cetera, right? And I think that this is um, another thing that is really awesome to be a part of um, in this ecosystem and watch this ecosystem fight um, through all of the adversity that it has had over the last, you know, 15 months-ish, maybe more. Um, and I think that the the determination and grit of the people that are building here um, to continue to build here and believe in the ecosystem is something that I find uh, incredibly like motivational and important and exciting, right? Um, and a number of these like new incentive programs that are coming out should be helpful in, in bringing more liquidity, more users uh, to the Solana ecosystem and it can help a rising tide, like rising tides lift all boats, right? Um, there are a handful of teams doing these incentives now. There'll be, you know, 2X in a month and 2X of that in another two months, right? Um, and I think that the the wave is beginning to build um, for Solana and Solana DeFi in particular, which I'm, and I maybe have a biased opinion, but I think that if any, like any chain ecosystem to survive uh, and thrive is built on a lot of like DeFi applications, right? Um, and so it's, I think that that's one of the, the coolest things that's going on right now is the narrative change um, and the general excitement about Solana, Solana applications um, and, you know, the underlying L1 value at this point. And I think that that is incredibly important. We've seen, you know, people like Ansem um, really, you know, pick up the microphone on Twitter and, and be broadcasting a lot about this. And other people on CT that have been incredibly negative have started to at least become more neutral, yep. right? Which I think is, you know, really big is when those, you know, big um, players that have large audiences um, move from a negative to a neutral. That means the ecosystem is doing something right on the narrative and the community side of things that um, we may have lacked in the past. Um, and I think that that is something that is really exciting. And I'm looking forward to watching that grow and continue to snowball here over the next, you know, months to a year yeah. plus. I think it, it, this sounds so basic, but it really comes down to the community. The Solana, the, the best thing about the Solana community is that like great, 
bad, horrible, up, down, like people are here, people are hustling. There's energy, there's energy in the chat, right? And I think with really early industries that have a lot of unsolved problems, energy in the chat is the number one leading indicator of success because you have no, like you can't, you can't predict how hard the engineering problems are going to be. You have no idea what they even are on like a three, three year timeline, right? Not even like a 12 month timeline for being candid. Right. Um, and, and so the energy in the chat is really your indicator of like, will there be people that continue to keep pushing through problems, whatever they are? Um, and the Solana community, I think, has proven like, you know, no matter what, um, they're interested in, in continuing to push. Right. I hope that if the time ever comes, right, we build the, the blockchain up from 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 the ground up all over again if we need to. Right. Um, and I mean, in a large way, like that's what's happening with Fire Dancer. That's what's happening with these new clients, right? People are saying, look, this, this piece of the core infrastructure needs a full rebuild. And that's cool because the, 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 the technology is so new, right? That in order to evolve, you got to keep pushing and pushing could mean massive, massive revamps, right? Of certain pieces of the pie. Um, but, you know, people, people continue to be here. People continue to push. Uh, I love that about this community. It's been, you know, working, working on margin and being in this, in this space has been the f best job I've ever had. Uh, I think strictly on, uh, you know, that, that community point alone. So what advice would you give to young developers who are thinking about getting into the space, but aren't really sure? They're not sure where to get started. They're, they aren't sure if they're going to actually be able to be successful. Like what, what? piece of advice or multiple pieces of advice that you give these people? So I, I, I mentor um, younger startups from time to time, right? Founders of younger startups. Um, I've been mentoring kids uh, college age level for, you know, the last like year or so in particular. Um, and, you know, a lot of them are in a position that I think is very common for somebody who's like interested in a space considering to get more involved, right? Um, and in a position where like where they currently are is more traditional, right? Maybe you're in school, maybe you're in big tech, maybe you're in, in, in high finance, right? Maybe you're working for like a big finance company or a big media company and you see web three seems exciting, but every time you, uh, you kind of look into it, right? The same structures aren't there. Uh, there's concerns, right? How real is this stuff? Um, how risky is it to invest in? You know, I, I, I tell people, I tell people one thing, I go, the world is your oyster, right? And, you know, it sounds lofty, right? Uh, but the reality is that like each of us gets to wake up every day and fight to do whatever we want, right? And so many people with the globalization of the world, right, over the last few decades, are seeing unprecedented opportunity. Like you can plug into the internet, you can go to virtual parties, you can go to real parties, you can get into code bases and you're there, you're part of it, right? The, the, the opportunity to get in the mix is so much better than it's ever been in all of humanity's existence, right? The most exciting thing I think you could do with your life is take it in your own hands and push it in whatever direction you want. And you know, that, that, that fear, that risk that you're taking, like that's just part of the adrenaline, right? That's what makes, that's what makes life worth living. So, you know, my, my, my high level, my lofty motivational goal, like, you know, commentary is the world is your oyster. Like wake up, 
do whatever the fuck you want to do and challenge yourself in the world to make that sustainable, right? Um, the people that I've seen that have like taken that on and really push have reached absolutely incredible heights uh, and have done things that, you know, uh, they've, they've, they've never imagined. I know Barrett and I just with that methodology alone have gotten way farther than we ever thought we would. So it's a, it's a good time. Yeah. And I think, you know, echo everything Edgar just said. Um, and I think it like depends on your, you know, what you're coming in here to do, right? If you're a developer, there's never been like a better industry to like show off your dev skills, right? Like open a PR to a protocols, open source repo, right? Um, easiest way to start building those teams out there are, you know, incredibly insightful and are excited for you to even like be looking at their code base and helping out in any sort of way. And they're happy to offer like resources, insight, et cetera. Right. I think that that's something that is very unique to this space and industry um, that you don't really see in kind of the other traditional industries um, to like get a part of on the engineering side, on the marketing side of things, you know, people are writing threads, people are putting out, you know, content on, on YouTube, Spotify, Apple music, uh, et cetera. Right. Um, and that's like a great way to get noticed. And I think the way, um, to get noticed and like, kind of like get into this space is like, you know, you got to dip your toes in at some point. Um, and so you can start like building like you know if you want to be a researcher build a research persona on twitter um i think it's it's easier than people think to become a part of the ecosystem become a part of the space become a part of the community um where if you look outside and you're like oh this is like some niche group or like these people are all way ahead of me so why should like what am i going to be able to contribute a value and you will always be able to contribute value um, if you want to, right? Uh, and I think that those that comes in a lot of different ways from, like Edgar said, the media side, the engineering side, uh, marketing community, et cetera. Um, there's just like a ton of different ways to get in here. Uh, and, you know, maybe you don't know what you want to do, but you want to meet some people. Go come to Mountain Dow, right? You know, we're a big proponent of, of no matter your background, no matter your skill set, how long have you been in crypto, you've been in crypto zero days, you've been in crypto, you know, 10 years, it doesn't matter to us, like come and experience that, go to a Solana hacker house, right? Go to an, an Ethereum hacker house, whatever, you know, come to a Solana hacker house, come to Mountain Dow, really is where you want to go. Um, and so I think that like, that's like the best way to get in. You're going to meet people. You're going to, you're going to meet people that are going to help you push uh, to get exposure on Twitter, uh, to get more ingrained in the ecosystem. Right. Um, but you got to take the first step. Right. And there's like a number of ways to do that. And whatever your skill set is, um, you know, just take that first step. And I can guarantee you that like people will be there to help you forward whatever you want to do in this space, especially in the Solana ecosystem, right? Like, you know, I started with very little knowledge of Solana um, and so did Edgar. And we, you know, worked hard and met people and got a lot of help along the way, right? Um, because, you know, we we put that first, like, you know, we, we, we made the effort to like get into the space. And I think that once you make that little bit of effort, um, it kind of just snowballs um, and you'll, you'll, you'll start to see more um, of the community, more of the ecosystem and industry that, you know, is misrepresented in media yeah. and on Twitter. Um, and I think that that's like something that like you should see for yourself when you're, when you're, you know, on the ground floor, it's very different than just like looking from the outside to end. There's a ton of people out here that are building, you know, revolutionary products and pushing the boundaries and pushing forward um, with what we can build um, in this space and on Solana. Um, and I think that, you know, just take the leap, right? At the end of the day. <laughs>